First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. I don't know if, uh, if you're familiar with the prayer of Jabez. It was pretty popular with the book that studied it back in about the year 2000. What's interesting, though, is its context. I, I'd like you to just look. We're not, gonna, we're not going to read the verses, but if you look at the verses just before from chapter 1, and then just after these verses, on through, I think it's through chapter 8, it's a bunch of names. It's the chronicles of the history of the people of God. And there's actually a lot of important things here, all of the Word of God is, but it's, it's one that's easily easy to skip over. It's one that's easy to leave alone because it can be a little more challenging. It's not Romans 8, right, for our devotions, and it takes a lot more study. What's so fascinating, in the midst of all these names, the son of so-and-so, he begat so-and-so, the father of so-and-so, and they had these sons, and then they had these sons, and tucked away in it is this amazing nugget for those who are willing to mine all of the scriptures, the prayer of Jabez, which really does stand out as so different from the rest of its context. I think it's safe to say the Lord is highlighting it for us, and there's a great benefit to have from it. So uh, perhaps you're familiar with it. Perhaps you've never heard of it before. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a neat thing to give ourselves some time to look at tonight, and I am going to want to consider it and how much it, it really resembles, in my opinion, um, the Lord's Prayer. So I think it's a good model for us. Hear now the word of the Lord, 1 Chronicles 4, verses 9 and 10. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Those the, though these are a little bit longer verses, since it is a brief text, and I'm, I'm not, I'll be quoting parts of it, uh, I'd like to, I'd like to um, but I'll be giving you a lot of things to think about. I'd like to just read it again once to, to really soak it in, and uh, I'd like to read it one more time for us. Again, in the context of just before and just after for chapters on end, father and son, and they had sons, and there are their names. And then this little nugget in verses 9 and 10. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me. And that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. And then it just goes right back into the names of all these sons and fathers and tribes. It's an interesting interesting prayer. It's one that I revisited uh, due to seeing it in a recent text. I, I get a nugget from a, a friend in the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, my other employment, uh, I, get, I get regular texts, not as regular as Mr. Renner, but it's kind of the same nature. It's a little different in the format, uh, but uh, he'll often quote a lot of different scriptures and sometimes quote some writers. And this is one of a number of scriptures that was quoted, and I was so struck by a part of the prayer, and I said, where is that? Who is that? Who's praying that? Just, I got to revisit that. Ah, oh, yeah, the prayer of Jabez. I haven't thought about this prayer for a while. 
It's, it's really unique, the prayer of Jabez. And he's unique, even what we know and don't know about him. Something particularly stood out to me, but I would like to go ahead and review the whole prayer. I was thinking of only focusing on one part, but I think I'd like to look at the whole. And I'd like to make connections to how I think there's so much resemblance to the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, verses 9 to 13. I'm not going to turn there, but you may like to have that marked and and look at it as we go through this. I'm going to notice a lot of connections. I'm not trying to argue that the Lord Jesus is basically borrowing from Jabez, but I think what's interesting is this unique prayer tucked away here, not talked about or commented on with other prayers. It's just there for us how much I think there's a resemblance to the Lord's Prayer, and thus we can be refreshed and remember how to pray, how best to pray. Again, it's in the middle of a long genealogy of family names, and it's such a different section that it is surely highlighted for us. It gives us a prayer to model and borrow and grow from. And I think what we learn from the history in verse 9, informing uh, the prayer in verse 10 and vice versa, is that an honorable man of God who is heard by God asks God's blessings to live a life that honors him. I give you that as the main idea. An honorable man of God or woman of God is one who is heard by God because they ask God's blessing to live a life that honors him. Uh, This prayer was all the rage around the year 2000 when Bruce uh, Wilkinson's book was published, The Prayer of Jabez. He talks about how he came across it in the end of his seminary days in Dallas. And uh, it's called The Prayer of Jabez, Breaking Through to the Blessed Life. And I will be sharing some nuggets from it. I know there are also some teachings out there to qualify. Let's not make this like it's a magic prayer and the, you know, the prosperity gospel. But he gives those disclaimers. It's not the prosperity gospel. And I think overall it's quite a nice book. I recommend it. There's a few things I might quibble about and give some nuances. And if you think I'm wrong, please bring it to my attention. But I'd encourage you to get it. It's a very brief book. I got it on Kindle. I I wanted to reread it. I can't find it. I think I used to own it. And uh, I wanted to read it again real quick before I preached. I didn't base my sermon on it or my studies, but I did want to reflect on it afterwards. And I'll share uh, quite a bit from it, although small parts of it um, in terms of the whole. But it's a brief book. It's an easy book. It's devotional. And uh, there's some really nice stories that I think, uh, I think you would enjoy. Um, that's not homework. Just uh, I, I do overall think it's worth reading to understand this prayer. Uh, but I think hopefully I give you enough in this sermon to to be enough for you if that's all you need. But I would like to say this. Uh, Again, it's the prayer of Jabez breaking through in the blessed life, Bruce Wilkinson. And he says this, I believe it, this prayer of Jabez, I believe it contains the key to a life of extraordinary favor with God. Well, whether or not he exaggerates, hopefully I've got your attention. (laughs) I believe that this prayer and making use of this prayer in some form, he says, is the key to a life of extraordinary favor with God. And he said that he began to pray this prayer daily for more than 30 years. I'm sure it's not all that he prayed, Uh, I'm sure he prayed many other things. Similar to the Lord's Prayer, it can be used, but it's also a model and give us an idea of the main things to be praying about. But 
think about trying to focus on what God highlights here. And if we do recognize quite a lot of similarities to the Lord's Prayer, think of what the Lord would do with our lives if we endeavored to try to pray the essence of these prayers every day to at least inform and guide our prayers. If, I think we all have the danger of rambling in our prayers and oh, I probably shouldn't really be thinking about that. How about I pray about the, you know, uh, being distracted, quick in our prayers. Uh, you know, we can sometimes struggle to get started and having an aid like this, I'm not going to promise you that this is going to do some major thing, but I am intrigued by it. I'm certainly wanting to benefit from it in my own prayer life. And I, I hope that it will be a blessing to you as well. But he does talk about many others and the, how they began to pray many, many years, the prayer of Jabez. And he'd have conferences teaching about it. And, and there were many, many testimonies about what the Lord did in their lives. And I would say that their testimonies give this testimony to you, that praying uh, the essence of the prayer of Jabez, if not verbatim, I'm not sure if they would argue that, it's an amazingly God-honoring life leads to an amazingly God-honoring life that is honored by God in return. So with that, with Jabez, pray God helps you live honorably. I give that to you as the message for you tonight, uh, based on what we've looked at in the introductory idea of the text. Pray God helps you live honorably. If we walk away studying the prayer of Jabez, I think we can say, Among other things, the main idea would be, Lord, let me live an honorable life that is a life that honors you. And trust that he will honor that in return. First of all, honor God by expressing your dependence on him and his presence for blessing. Honor God by expressing your dependence on him and his presence for your blessing. Now, Jesus often said that certain Gentiles, he says, I marvel over their faith. I haven't seen this faith with the Jews. He said, I've never seen such faith. He says, you're healed. Go, your faith has healed you. They pursued Jesus until he blessed them, until he touched them, until he saw them and acknowledged them and did something for them. They recognized their utter need for Jesus. They recognized their utter dependence upon Jesus. And so we see in verse 10, Jabez says, bless, bless me. And in the Hebrew, it's more literally what it is. When you see bless me indeed, you see phrase like that in the Old Testament. It's, it's usually, usually literally in the Hebrew. It's just the word repeated twice. Bless, bless me. Jabez is recognizing his dependence on God for blessing. He's not trying to live a life independent of God. He's not trying to bless himself. He's asking God for blessing. And I think that we are often too timid to ask God to bless us. But where else is the blessing going to come from, beloved? Not from me, not from you. Oh, I know there's an indirect way of, you know, a relative, I bless you and we bless each other and Even more than just response to sneezing sometimes. But where's the blessing really going to come from? It's only going to come from God. We're encouraged to make supplications to the Lord. And making supplications honors him because it expresses our utter dependence upon him. So we honor him when we say, bless me, bless me. 
Now we'll define the blessing. We'll qualify the blessing. Nonetheless, it recognizes our dependence on God. Like Jacob got God's blessing, wrestling with God and asking for it and held on all night for dear life until the Lord blessed his life. Genesis 28, verse 20. There's a similarity here. In verse 10, he also prays that thy hand might be with me. Bless me, bless me, and bless me with your presence. That's the main thing I want. Bless me with your presence, that your hand might be with me. Uh, It's by the hand of the Lord we see uh, in the scriptures often that something special happens. It's the hand of the Lord. The blessed hope of Psalm 23, verse 4. Hebrews 13, verse 5, I won't fear anything because God's with me, and the Lord Jesus will never leave me nor forsake me. We pray for that assurance. We pray the Lord to draw closer to us, help us draw closer to him, and have more of a sense and experience of the reality that he's with us. Thinking of Moses who said, Lord, if you're not going to go with us into the promised land, please don't send us. You know, the Lord's kind of speaking rhetorically and testing and challenging. You go ahead. Not so sure I'm going to go with you. And of course, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> and Moses says, no, Lord, no. If you're not going to go, don't send us. We don't want to go. We can't go without your presence with us. And so Jabez is praying, bless me, bless me. And more than anything, bless me with you. Bless me with your presence. Psalm 73. I don't have anyone in heaven or earth. I don't need anyone in heaven or earth besides you. You, Lord, are the strength of my life and my portion forever. The strength of my heart, my portion forever. That's Jabez's prayer. Lord, don't leave me. Lord, stay with me. Lord, lead me through the valleys of the shadow of death. Bring me. Lift me up, O Lord, onto higher ground. Set my feet on hinds places. Well, here's a disclaimer. He's asking for blessing. But let us consider the Beatitudes, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount by our Lord Jesus Christ. Essentially, uh, my introduction to that sermon when we were in Matthew was, Oh, blessed, oh cursed Christian, you are blessed. <laughs> because it sounds like a bunch of cur- This is a cursed life, right? Blessed are you who are persecuted. Blessed are you when they say all kinds of nasty things about you for my name's sake. Oh yeah, sign me up for that. That sounds like a great church advertisement. Come to church and have everybody hate you and say nasty things about you. So let's recognize that God's idea of blessing is not always our idea of blessing. It's not saying, Lord, bless me with a Ferrari. In my opinion, that would be a curse. Fernanda and I always look at those things and say, how can you get any headroom in that thing? You know, <laughs> let alone lug any kids. You know? But you know, it's not like I get to say and know for sure, bless me with this, bless me with that. And it isn't really focused mostly on material blessings, though those aren't excluded. But we know that we're mainly to pray with give us this day our daily bread. Give me a competent portion of the good things of this life and to enjoy your blessing with them. The shorter catechism teaches us with the Lord's prayer. But the Beatitudes teach us those who are blessed by the kingdom appear to be cursed in the world. The world certainly thinks so. That's why I appreciate when we sang Psalm 71, it said, let your praise and honor be in my mouth. It says, I'm a wonder to many. A wonder like, you're strange, you're weird. What's with you? Yeah, like God says, you are to be a peculiar people. 
Wilkinson says this, Notice a radical aspect of Jabez's request for blessing. He left it entirely up to God to decide what the blessings would be and where, when, and how Jabez would receive them. The uh, Jabez blessing focuses like a laser on our wanting for ourselves nothing more and nothing less than what God wants for us. I mean, you don't see a long list of give me this, give me that. By the way, I was, I've been hoping for this. You know, have you, have you been thinking about that still, Lord? I mean, it, it isn't that we don't pray specifically, of course. But there is this main thing, just bless me, Lord. Bless me with you. And then we can know, we can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And if the Lord is with me, I'll fear nothing, even walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Though the blessings may seem like curses to the world, you can trust if you ask for God's blessing according to the way he chooses to bless you. Proverbs 10, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. He addeth no sorrow with it. Which is interesting because Jabez means something like sorrow or grief, right? And yet, and yet, as we'll see and explore later, there's no sorrow in it. Because God is with me, and he's blessing me with himself. And so we think to pray the Lord's Prayer, our Father, and give us this day our daily bread. You honor God when you ask him to provide for you and express your need for him, and he will. That's the testimony of the scripture, we'll see. That's the testimony of Christ with the Lord's Prayer as he speaks about prayer in Matthew 6. Your father already knows what you need before you ask. And he's your father. You ask for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. You ask for egg, he's not going to give you a snake. Ask, and he will. Besides God's presence to be steady with you, you also want him to be known without you. Honor God by expressing your dependence on him and his presence for blessing and ask God to help you honor him by advancing your kingdom influence in the world. Ask God to help you honor him by advancing your kingdom influence in the world. And among many stories that definitely encouraged and motivated me, don't want to presume upon the Lord, but these are compelling stories about praying this prayer regularly. But there's also an anticipation. But Wilkinson shares this. And as a result of all of his work teaching about this, Wilkinson shares, I received a letter from a student named Warren. He told me that he and his friend Dave had decided to ask God to bless them and enlarge their borders. Specifically, they prayed that God would give them the opportunity to witness to the governor of the state that weekend. Throwing their sleeping bags in Warren's 63 Plymouth Valiant, they had driven the 400 miles to the capital to pound on doors. The letter continued, 
by Sunday night, when we got back from Sacramento, this is what had happened. We had expressed our faith, our Christian faith, to two gas station attendants, four security guards, the head of the U.S. National Guard, the director of the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare for the state of California, the head of the California Highway Patrol, the governor's secretary, and finally the governor himself. Do we not need to try to influence our governor and our state? They go on to write, as God is making us grow, we are thankful and scared stiff. (laughs) So it's not like there's this, there's afraid to do it, but I'm asking God, make it happen. Push me out there, you know, (laughs) and make it happen or throw somebody in my lap as I'm sitting on the bus and have to hit the brakes. We're scared stiff, but we've been asking, so he's doing it. He says, thanks again for your challenge. I'll let you read the book to see what he has as an initial challenge. And it's pretty interesting how some people go pretty far with it. There are many other stories of divine appointments and witnessing opportunities that were prayed for and then answered. And that's something I particularly would want to encourage you and myself and our church to remember that God is exceeding abundantly able to do above more than we ask or think. Through and by the power of the church, in the church, Pray for God to give you and me witnessing opportunities all the time where we can barely get our normal stuff done because somebody keeps asking me about Jesus every day. Pray that God gives me an opportunity to run out of the church cards that we have where I write my name to invite somebody to church because I, I don't, I'm not good at initiating. I'm not good at breaking ice. I don't know about you. Once we're rolling... I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I think I have some natural skills, but what I love about the book, he says, it's not about you and your strength. It's about God and asking and him doing it. And we dump sheep and earth in broken vessels. We don't need to be ready. We don't need to have everything figured out. We just need to be available and talk about Jesus. And pray that God just throws him in our path where it's like absolutely impossible to miss it. And you hear a lot of these stories where people were praying for that and delays at airports and other things. Lord, help me to recognize. Give me an opportunity. And there's so many amazing stories about people People say, I've been scared about the Antichrist for 50 years. Tell me about the Bible. Two different people, one man, one woman, totally different context and different people. Their marriages were saved because they were about literally to get divorced one that day. They'd never heard one thing in the scriptures about marriage. And they had the opportunity to share it. And they changed their heart and went and saved their marriages. That's influence. That's power. Lord, just give me an opportunity to share what I do know. I got this cruise. I don't have a whole lot of oil in it. But Lord, I offered to you, pour it over and fill more. And like, really do it. Wouldn't it be exciting if you and I can't shut up at fellowship in the evening? Because of all of the gospel encounters, we have the opportunity. I don't know about you, but I think I do need to pray more about it because it's not happening naturally. One, because I'm not sure that I have the gift of evangelism so much. I have the gift of talking with someone once somebody makes me. <laughs> Look for those opportunities, but more importantly, pray for those opportunities. Some really exciting stories about what the Lord does with that. Do you want to see the Lord work here? 
Do you want to see the Lord do what Jesus promises? Admittedly, to the small, struggling church seeking to be pure, I'll keep your door open, which is I'll keep your influence going in the world. Pray, pray, pray what he says here. Enlarge my coasts in verse 10. Uh, it, could, it could be translated in, enlarge my coasts. Well, yeah, we have it as enlarge my coasts. It could be borders, territory, but enlarge my coasts. Enlarge the expanse of my influence and my witness for the kingdom of God. Jabez would be in the promised land at this point. Israel having taken over Canaan, he's probably there during the time of the judges, and there is still much left unsettled and thus undisturbed. Read through the letter of Judges. It's just a mess. Up and down, up and down. And so much of the land hasn't really been thoroughly established, and there's too much stuff going on with people who should have been kicked out or exterminated. And, and some of that is just, Lord, help me establish your stake in the promised land as you intend to be a witness to the rest of the world. And perhaps it's not yet fully realized, and perhaps, perhaps he's saying, and please don't forget me, somehow work it out for me, because Do you notice? Here's something really interesting about his history in verse 9. Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. Well, who's his father? I don't know. But every other verse is talking about whose father's who father, whose son's whose son. I don't know who Jabez's father is. That's, That's unusual in this context. I mean, maybe he's praying, Lord, show me who my father is. Show me where my tribal right is. You can think of the daughters of Zohiphethel. I'm probably saying that wrong. But you remember back in Numbers, I think, give us the inheritance of our father. We want to preserve his memory, his line, his right. Maybe he's just saying, Lord, please, it's unsettled for me. Maybe he, he, he's just hoping to have a promised land influence that he's missing out on like the rest. Surely there's a concern to see the land more settled for the Lord, the banner of the Lord up higher. Maybe there's a concern that there are the Canaanites and Philistines breathing on his neck and the neck of his family. He's saying, Lord, increase our influence, enlarge our coast, give us victory for Jesus. Show you our God in this pagan land that is constantly perverting our people with false gods. And sending us out of this land and losing our land and influence would be a good prayer for Israel to have asked often. They find out later. The point was to be God's people, witnessing God's presence with them and his covenant blessing. That's the point of these people being in the promised land. That's the point of you and me being in this world, in this pilgrimage Seeking kingdom influence in the world to bring honor to God as the only true God. Wilkinson says this, a plea for more territory by by Jabez, a plea for more territory is where you ask God to enlarge your life so you can make a greater impact for him. He wanted more influence, more responsibility, and more opportunity to make a mark for the God of Israel. You, your prayer could reflect, and he suggests this prayer, O God and King, please expand my opportunities and my impact in such a way that I touch more lives for your glory. 
let me do more for you. That's the idea of this prayer of expand my coast and my territory. Let me live a life indeed that in every way glorifies you, whether I eat or drink or buy a house or choose this job or that job or that school. Let me do everything with the view of influencing the world for Christ. Wherever you put me, give me a good, powerful Christian influence. Bring people to church through me wherever I am. Just by being me, which is by being yours. And so we reflect the Lord's prayer here. We reflect on the Lord's prayer, and I think there's a, an interesting resemblance. We pray, Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Pray the Great Commission. What's the Great Commission? It's not so much evangelize. Make disciples. Teach them to obey everything Christ has commanded. And then he tells us in Acts, I'm with you everywhere. Pray, Lord Jesus, Teach me and instruct me so that I'm well prepared to share with others about you and your will, your plan, that you're coming back. Pray for me to be able to share about my own life and your providence and helping me to bow to your will and recognize it later why you did it that way and not this way and how I thank you for some unanswered prayers. Help me to be able to testify how you've just worked in my life as I've trusted you in your word. Give me an opportunity to share a testimony with others. Pray for your influence for the kingdom. Be bold in prayers for God to send people into your life to witness to. Don't even worry about him sending you to Mexico. That's a fine prayer. Pray that he sends people from Mexico to you. Pray that he sends people from Paradise Hills to you. Pray they trip on you. Pray he uses, maybe I shouldn't say this, not a car accident, but all the things that we consider annoyances and detours in our life as his plan to make us talk to somebody about the Lord. Pray he would prosper our outreach. We are trying big things for a little church like ours for outreach. Pray he prospers it. It isn't going to if he doesn't. Pray constantly for our efforts that the Lord would reach people. Pray for God to add to our church such as should be saved and that we plant churches in San Diego, across the border of Mexico, maybe even in Brazil. But for such a presence and for such a direction, we need to be directed in his devotion. And so ask God to help you honor him by staying out of sins, sorrows, and evil's influence. Honor God by expressing your dependence on him and his presence for blessing. Ask God to help you honor him by advancing your kingdom influence in the world. And ask God to help you honor him by staying out of sins, sorrows, and evil influence. 
Because sin is like quicksand. Sucks you down when you're trying to walk the way of the straight and narrow. Sin sucks you down into more severe sinning. Remember we looked at recently in Romans, iniquity unto iniquity. And that has no honor for God's name. That is not going to give you influence. He's not going to give you influence if you don't want to influence the world with what he wants the world to be influenced with. Sin does not allow us to show dependence on him, but it shows defiance and fleeing from him. So pray verse 10 of the prayer of Jabez. Keep me from evil, except it grieve me. Notice that it would not grieve him only. But, of course, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, and quench the Holy Spirit. Notice also, he has this idea that I wouldn't be grieved. You can think about how in Hebrews 13, verse 17, it says, follow what your elders are trying to tell you. Other, you know, don't make it a, a grief to them. It's going to be a grief to them if you won't just follow and learn from them. And then he says, and that won't be profitable for you. Jabez says, help me to be teachable. Help me to be easily entreated. Protect me from being influenced by the wrong things. Lead me from evil that it wouldn't grieve me because sin is always grievous. As we've talked about in our study of the standards recently, sin brings misery and death. And more sinning just brings more sin and more misery and more death and grief. It's actually what struck me about this prayer. What's that prayer? Where is that again? He's saying, lead me out of evil. But I know it's not the Lord's prayer. Oh, Jabez. One of just a few things he asked for is lead me out of evil that it wouldn't grieve me. Wilkinson warns that the more God answers the other parts of this prayer, the more this prayer is needed because of the danger of presumption and independence and pride that leads to a fall. If the Lord will grant us the other requests in this prayer, we got to be regularly praying, keep me from evil, that I wouldn't grieve myself, let alone the spirit and my elders and my brethren. He says this, the most effective war against sin is to pray that we will not have to fight. He adds, someone has said, your danger is not being on the edge of a precipice, but in being unwatchful there. A tiny indulgence of pride or self-confidence can spell disaster. The deepest grief I've seen in fellow believers is among those who have experienced extraordinary blessings territory and power only to slip into serious sin and of course that's what the devil wants to do right 
lead leaders down the broad road and everyone will be followed or they won't want to follow anybody anymore because of that kind of witness. Wilkinson suggests this kind of a prayer. Lord, keep me from making the mistakes I'm most prone to when temptation comes. I confess that what I think is necessary, smart, or personally beneficial is so often only the beautiful wrapping on sin. So please keep evil far from me. Or as Jesus teaches us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. And beloved, if we prayed the first part more, we'd not need to pray the second as much. Yet still pray the second as needed. Wilkinson says this, the only thing that can break the cycle of abundant living is sin. Because sin breaks the flow of God's power. It is as if the electric lines to your house in Phoenix were severed and you were cut off from the immense power generators at Hoover Dam. All the incredible potential of the dam's turbines would be untapped, wasted, and waiting for the connection to be restored. So, beloved, pray to stay close in fellowship, closely connected with God in the Spirit, by his word, in your prayers, and in living the way he would have us live. Remembering that he highlights two things, again, as his will for his church in particular, thankfulness and holiness. Without which, the scriptures say, no one will see the Lord. Seeking God's honor in all your life is an honorable request that he answers. When you ask God to help you to honor him, he will honor you. Honor God by expressing your dependence on him and his presence for blessing. Ask God to help you honor him by advancing your kingdom influence in the world. Ask God to help you honor him by staying out of sins, sorrows, and evil's influence. When you ask God to help you to honor him, he will honor you. Such as in Exodus. The midwives are honored by God for not giving in to the pressure of the world and the king, not sinning by aborting the Israelite baby boys, and he honors them with a huge population and their own homes, their own increase of resources. In verse 10, Jabez called on the God of Israel, which is a name of God, you'll remember, we've studied calls on the God of Israel. Not just any God, he calls on the God of Israel. He honors God as the only true God as he has revealed himself in the redemptive history of Israel's history. And he has in view the history of the patriarchs for sure, fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he wanted their same patriarchal blessing. He's praying in this context. No, he's praying and increase my borders. He's got in view God's promise to give the promised land. 
And he probably has Abraham's being blessed in Genesis 22, verse 17 in view. It says, let that pour over into me as a descendant of Abraham, because the blessing was to include Abraham's descendants. So he's basically saying, bless me with your promise to Abraham and thus to me. Genesis twenty-two seventeen, that in blessing, I will bless thee. And in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Here we are now, Lord, in the promised land. Let me possess the gate of my enemies. This honoring the patriarchal blessing honored God. He wanted part of that. He's honoring his fathers. We don't know his direct father, but he's, he's honoring his patriarchal fathers, wanting the same blessing, identifying with them, wanting the God of their, his fathers to be his God, the God of Israel. This honoring the patriarchal blessing honored God. Verse 10, God therefore granted what he asked. What Jabez asked for, God answers and gives it. Which is a good reason for us to study it and make use of it in some form. And I think governed by and connected and thinking with the Lord's Prayer. God honored his prayer. God answered his prayer. Again, beloved, think about this. It's this two-verse oasis in the midst of endless genealogies, so to speak. And I'm not making light of them or making fun of them, but it's just this special thing tucked away here. It's given to us as something to, to benefit from. It would be foolish for us to say, oh, I'm not going to pray like that. <laughs> Why? What? God answers the prayer. And look what he's asking for. He's honoring God in his prayers. Everything he wants is help me honor you. And so God honors that request. Of course he's going to honor that request. God honored Jabez for honoring him. Verse 9, it says that he was more honorable than his brothers. And that word for honor is kabod in the Hebrew. It's that word we often consider with the glory cloud. The word glory, it's the sense of heaviness, weightiness, importance. He's more honorable than his brothers. God honors his request. And so we pray as we look at his example. We call on the God of Israel through Jesus Christ. The only mediator between God and men. And we pray as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. May we honor you. May we honor your good name as the God of Israel, as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as my God. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The end of the Lord's Prayer. That is essentially, when we think about the main thing we're learning to pray like Jabez prayed, Pray Psalm 71, verse 8 that we sang today. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. And everything else will be taken care of. And I'll live an honorable life. And frankly, I don't want anything as much as I could have 
if I live it dishonorably. God will honor that, and thus God will honor you, and you will live an honorable life with the promise God makes in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. Them that honor me, I will honor. You know, think about uh, King Solomon's prayer. God is so happy to answer. He says, I'm so glad you didn't ask for stuff. I'm going to give you a whole bunch of stuff now. But that's just like icing on the cake. That's just like the after stuff. You asked for wisdom, Solomon. And so I'm going to make you wise. And then what happens? Other kings and queens are traveling to come see this wise king and marvel all over all the stuff he has. But it's because he asked for wisdom to know how to best govern God's people. That's why they speak of the wisdom of Solomon in that example when he has to decide who gets the baby. Right? Give me wisdom. Wilkinson says this, Jabez wanted to be more and do more for God. That's the essence of his prayer. So God honors it. So as, we, as you study, the, if you read the book and you hear some of these stories, get ready. You're going to be busy. He's going to honor himself through you. He's going to witness to himself through you. He's going to increase your influence. Something else that's interesting not to overlook here. Jabez's mother helped him live honorably too. He was taught this. His name is what she chose, Jabez. And it indicates, this is coming from verse 9, probably a very difficult birth that she's thankful to have survived. And you can think about, you know, Rachel, and frankly, the name she gives that the father changes to Benjamin, but she doesn't make it. And, you know, until modern times, the number one killer of women was childbirth. Especially in these ancient times, they didn't have all the things that make us hardly worry about having babies today. She she perhaps almost died. Horrible pain and suffering in her labor. But God sustained her and saved her and saved the baby. And so just as Hannah wants to honor God with Samuel, she wants to honor God naming the baby Jabez. But try to imagine this. If I told you today, we're having a girl, and guess what? If I told you, I didn't tell you her name was Juliana, but I said it was Jabeza. It means pain. It means sorrow. What? She's actually doing something that honors God and teaching him to honor God. She gives a name that honors God because God gave him life and preserved her life through the pain and sorrow. And she honored God by also honoring her bearing her name. Excuse me, his bearing that name. With sanctified soberness as seen in prayer. I appreciate some nuggets that Matthew Henney draws out about this idea of his mother chooses this name, Jabez, for him. He points out that God honored her with a son who honored God. Because she taught him to with his name. 
But also she trained him to do the same and prepared him for a life of pain that we all have. Remember, God got you through the pain. You're going to have more pain. So what Jesus says in the Beatitudes, hey, guess how blessed are you? You're going to have lots of pain, lots of trouble. That's how we enter the kingdom of heaven, we know from Acts. She gives him a name, not only to deal with his past, but to face his future. Pain, sorrow, yes, trusting that God will take you through it if you keep trusting him. I love what Matthew Henry says. The sorrow he carried in his name might help to put a seriousness upon his spirit. And I can't help but remember Pastor McCurley when his, one of his daughters was suffering, I think something like 12 seizures a day. And he was asking for prayers for healing and mercy. He wasn't just being stoic about it, oh, it's God's will. But he did recognize that the Puritans say that it can be good for our children to have such sufferings because it will make them have no interest in the world. They'll learn to just come to God all the time. And so she gives him this name to remember the beginning of his life, all through life, to be seriousness in his spirit. So, beloved, ask God to help you to honor him through affliction so that you can honor him when he gives you victory over it. And that you have a serious focus in your life on spiritual things and God's influence and glory and the advancement of Christ's kingdom through your life as a citizen of his kingdom. I don't think Jabez would be playing with the same toys at the time of his peers. He'd be too serious for it, based on what his mother went through and what he's going through, and how the Lord has used this to make him focus on God and honoring God in all of his life. And so you see his prayer. Matthew Henry points out, God will honor your influence as Jabez with such a prayer in learning and wisdom. 1 Chronicles 2, 55, and the families of the scribes which dwelt at Jabez. There's these families of scribes, learned people, teachers. Some argue whether you can know this for sure, but it does say at Jabez. Many point out it probably is relating to him. You might say he might have founded a seminary or a missionary school, or the school of the prophets, right? He's that kind of guy. He says not only, Matthew Henry says, not only did God give him influence in learning and wisdom, but in piety. As we see in the prayer, he is seen in his, quote, inclination to devotion. Beloved, pray this prayer. At least model it in your prayer. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Remember, Jesus says to ask, seek, and knock, and expect to have things given, open, and heard, and found. Especially the wisdom of Christ to live a wise life that honors him and thus honors you. James says, if we don't ask, that's why we don't have or because we ask wrongly. This prayer teaches us to ask and to ask rightly that God would answer it. Pray like it regularly. Wilkinson points out, simply put, 
God favors those who ask. Beloved, it is an honorable thing to seek God's honor in your life, and God will show it by honoring you in life on your pilgrimage into the next life. So pray God helps you live honorably. I give you the example again. Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. And as we see, perhaps what influenced this prayer or reflects it in verse 9, he was more honorable than his brothers. Pray God helps you live honorably. Let us pray. O Lord God, we pray to you as Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.